So we start a new series today. It's a topical series. We'll be at different places in the scriptures throughout the weeks. Uh, entitled "Build Below the Baseline: Developing the Part of Your Life That God Only That Only God Sees." And um, I've always thought that's really the that's the real that's where your real Christianity is. That part that that you're developed, that's just between you and the Lord. And so that's kind of what this is going to be all about here. And uh, we're going to read Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 through 14, and then we'll get into this. I'll just have a very short word of prayer because Ethan's already prayed, but we'll ask the blessing on this study, and we'll go from there. So Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 10, the Bible says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained either or already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you'd bless now the Bible study this morning. We pray that you'd just draw each of us closer to you, open our minds and our hearts uh, to you. We just pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd move in our midst. We pray for the other Sunday school classes as well that are taking place. We pray that you would bless them, be with each teacher and in each of the students as they listen to the lessons that speak to their hearts and to draw them closer to you as well. Bless the morning worship service. We pray, Lord, that you would just use Pastor Ethan as he preaches this morning. Help us as we lift up our voices in song and worship. And just uh, we ask by the time all is said and done today that we sense your purpose has been accomplished in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, on our, on our handout, just the opening statement. So, it may be easy for a while to portray an image of spiritual success when there's no real substance underneath. The reality is that Every structurally sound life has a common denominator. It's built upon a solid foundation. Unfortunately, we have mastered the art of giving the illusion of success, all the while ignoring the foundation that is built upon Jesus Christ. So our first scripture there, Ephesians chapter 2, in verses 19 through 22 says, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens of the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together, for a habitation of God through the Spirit. You know, in the Bible, you you see numbers of uh, illustrations or teachings, and the whole idea of a foundation um, is is presented. In fact, probably one of the most 
well-known uh, instances of that is that Jesus taught that the wise man builds his house upon the what? We can do better this morning, can't we? The wise man builds his house upon the... There you go. It's kind of cold this morning, so you've got to kind of get it cranking here. All right, so wise man builds his house upon the rock, and the foolish man builds his house upon the... There you go. And so Jesus reminds us of that, because life is going to bring all different kinds of situations, and uh, what you build your life upon... Um, is so important. And what you build your Christian life upon is so important. That's, that's the idea below the baseline. Foundations, especially in New England, uh, have to be dug deep enough, especially because of days like today, where there's frost in the ground. You go down south and they just build everything on a slab. But up here, you've got to have a foundation. And uh, the quality of that foundation I'm always amazed because my house, best that we can tell, my house was built actually right around the time that this church building was built. And if you go downstairs behind the walls, you'll see that this building, which has been here for over, oh, let's see, 1893, so what is that, 130 years? It was built upon a field stone foundation. It's not concrete. And... Um, it amazes me that you know buildings like this is a this is a good sized building all with, with with the old lumber the rough cut lumber so it's heavy duty and here it is it's still here, a um, hundred and thirty years later, and the foundation was so important. Now, if you know, and most of you know the history of this building, when Pastor Ainsworth came and took possession of the building, the whole up upper part of the building was a mess. The windows were all broken. Raccoons had gotten into the building. Kids, there was graffiti on all the walls. Downstairs, some of the ceiling was, had been burned. Um, boards were warped. It was a mess. But the foundation was still strong. And so the church was able to begin the process of rehabilitating the structure so we have this building today. The people on the street wanted the building torn down. It was an eyesore. The, the parking lot was full of trees. And there were saplings growing up in the, in the parking lot. Then some of the windows were boarded up. It was an eyesore. But the foundation was strong. And with the foundation strong, you can still build upon it. And here we are today, these years later, and to have, God has allowed us to have a beautiful building. Well, that's our relationship. Our relationship is found in the person of Jesus Christ. So, uh, again, on your handout, it's our first point. The foundation of, of our Christian relationship is built upon Jesus. So, verse 10 of our text, the Apostle Paul wrote this. And, and he is in prison when he's writing this. He's been arrested. He said that I may know him. That's the first one. That I may know him. Who? The person of Christ. And that's how our foundation is built. It's built upon knowing Jesus. Now, let, let me, I wrote this down. It's not on your handout. So listen to this. Because I'll ask you a question afterwards. So one can know biblical boundaries and spiritual preferences 
and yet not know Christ. You get that? One can know biblical boundaries and spiritual preferences and yet not really know Christ. So what do I mean by that? That you can know spiritual boundaries and spiritual preferences or even biblical boundaries but not really know Jesus. Yes, Mike. I think that's part of it. Did you hear what he say? It, say it again. Say it good and loud. You got to say it loud because the fans take a little of the noise out of here. You know about Jesus, and you know his teachings, and you know what the Bible says, but you don't truly know Jesus. Okay. Yeah. I think that's that's right on line. What else? There's a difference between knowing Jesus and following Jesus. There's a difference between knowing Jesus and following Jesus. That's very good. So, what do you mean by that? history, but if I don't care about them, it doesn't mean anything, right? Like, I can know who invented the light bulb, but that doesn't really mean anything to me. So, like, people can know about Jesus, like Mike said, they can know about his teachings, but unless they make it, like, unless they choose to follow him, then it's in vain, right? And there's, you know. Yep. Okay, good. What else? Yes, Frank, good and loud. Uh, I'm not sure. I hardly heard anybody, and I might be repeating it, but uh, uh, people are, people that consider themselves spiritually... And if they don't know Jesus, they actually missed out. Uh, yes, you're right on. Why? What What are they basing? What's? That's where we're heading. We're heading everything that's already been said. But so, say that again. People, the people can be spiritually, but not know Jesus as their Savior. And because and think in the realm of what we would consider Christianity. In its widest sense. They think they're okay uh, when it comes to salvation. Uh, they don't really know what true salvation is or how to obtain it. Yep. Yes, and then I'll go to you, Jimmy. Yes, Jimmy. <coughs> there is those that would teach you can, there are certain steps you need to take in order to uh, obtain it. And, uh, if you didn't hear what he said, he says taking steps and following the traditions of men. That's a big difference. There's a big difference. So then, who is? So then, if I'll oh, go ahead, Jenny, and then I'll. That's what I'm going to say. Well, you can know someone and believe them and understand that everything they say, but it's Yep, we'll get into that too today. That's true. So going back to what Jim said, taking the steps. So then what... The, again, my, my statement was, one can know biblical boundaries and spiritual preferences and not know Christ. So then, to whom or to what is the relationship built? It's built on the sand. I'm, look, I'm looking, yes, that's true. But I'm looking for, I'm just trying to get you to think, what, what are, for, for people, and again, in the realm of the, the broadest spectrum of Christianity, because many people claim to be Christians that have no idea what it even means to be a Christian. 
What is the relationship then being built on? If you're building it, go ahead. That's true. They are building it on their works. Yes. I would say they're putting their faith ironically in themselves because they're they're looking at what Jesus is saying, right? But then it's like, okay, this is what Jesus said, but I, I still have to do this, 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 this. That's true. Well, that's not what I'm looking for, but you're right on. But what, where did they get that? Where did they, where did they uh, get that idea from? Traditions. So the, and the traditions come from where? From man and from institutions that that uh, are that teach people that the traditions and the teaching of the leadership of that institution, whatever it might be, if you follow them, then you're building a relationship. So many people have a relationship with their church. That's what I'm trying to get at, but they don't necessarily have a relationship personally with the Lord Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? You understand what I'm saying? And so, we, and especially we live in an area where many people have a relationship with their church. But the true relationship, and obviously you have a relationship with your church as well. But your relationship with your church, you're not counting on that to save you. And the traditions, whatever few that we have. So, the, the, the person of Christ, again, on our handout, Ephesians 1.17, I think it'll be on the screen too. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Our whole Christian walk really is to, be, is to become more and more knowledgeable about who Jesus is. Then, he's, then Paul went on to say, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. So that word know there, it means to understand and to grasp and to, and, and to be familiar with. And so that relationship, it's developed over time. And it has to be developed over time. And it also has to be maintained over time. Any relationship has to be maintained. If, in your, if you're married, if you've been married for any length of time, the success really to a long-lasting marriage is to continue to develop that relationship and to maintain that relationship. And it's the same with Christ. We maintain that relationship. Religion, on the other hand, is teaching people to have relationships with rituals and rites and rules. Um, but it's the relationship that we have with Christ that I may know him, verse 10. And then, then you can flip over on your handout. Then the second part of, of this first point is not only that I may know him, the person of Christ, but then the power of, and you'll see three times in the text, his resurrection, his sufferings, his death. All built on this relationship, this the power of Christ. So Paul's not satisfied in knowing about his power. He wanted to experience it. And the more you begin to know who Christ is and his expectations in your life, and um, 
Just like in a re- any kind of relationship, the more you get to know someone and about that person and uh, who they are and what makes them tick, um, the, the, the deeper that relationship grows. And it's true with Christ. Christ already knows everything about you. Amen? There's nothing He doesn't know about you. But it's you learning more and more and more and getting into a deeper experience with Him. It's, it was life-changing for Paul. And any, any person who is born again, your whole life changes. I mean, it's just, that's just the way that it works. Uh, you, you, you receive Him as your Savior, and then He begins to change your life and the power of Christ resting upon you. In fact, look in Ephesians chapter 4. One of the most well-known verses really in the Scriptures, I think, verse 13. Probably many of you have memorized this verse. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. It's the power of Christ. Paul wanted to experience that power. He just didn't want to hear about it. He wanted to... He wanted to. He wanted to uh, know. He wanted to see it in his own life. So, how do we see that in our own lives as we begin to grow in our relationship with Christ? And, and let's not forget this: it's not as if Jesus is some distant historical person from two thousand years ago, right? I mean, he 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 walked on the earth two thousand years ago, but. Just like, the, uh, just like the, the hymn writer wrote, He lives, He lives, Christ Jesus lives today. And what did the hymn writer say? He walks with me and He talks with me. And He tells me, I'm not alone. Right? Is that how that, that one goes? Yeah. He lives, He lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me. Long life's narrow way. That's what I forgot. He lives, he lives. Salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. See, somebody tell Aaron, you need to sing that. All you, you singers here, you tell me you need to sing. That's a great old hymn. He lives. So we know about George Washington, but none of us can talk to George Washington today. Wouldn't that be cool? You know, like I like historical figures. It would be cool to be able to, like I read, I've read books about George Washington and others. I, I read a book a couple years ago about uh, John Adams. I'm reading a book now called The Wager. My daughter gives me a book every Christmas. It's a true story about a, uh, a British ship that was shipwrecked off the coast of South America and uh, getting to know the characters in the book. But I can't talk to them. I can only read about them. But it would be really cool to be able to talk to George Washington and get his perspective. I can talk to Jesus and get his perspective. He's not just a historical figure. He's, a, he's alive. And he speaks to us in our hearts and through his word. And then the power of Christ. Paul said, 1 Corinthians 2, 4, and 5 on our handout, My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in a demonstration of the Spirit and of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So, Pastor Ethan was asking for um, situations where you got to witness or to invite someone to church or share your faith. 
So when you're doing that, you're also depending upon the power of God to take those words and to speak to people's hearts. You and I, we don't really have... We're just the mouthpiece. It's, it's when, the, when the witnessing or the verse is shared or the preaching goes forth, it's not our ability, whether we're a good speaker or a poor speaker, whether we articulate the... You know, it's good to articulate the message well, but in the end... You're relying on the Holy Spirit to touch the hearts and minds of people and to draw them. That's the power of God. You're relying, as you talk with someone, the power of the Holy Spirit to use you as the instrument and the vessel. And as the more you know the person of Jesus, the more the power of Christ resting upon you. Peter said, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. It's his power. And so Paul, just in that one verse, that I may know him. So the question is, are you continually developing your knowledge of Christ? The power of his resurrection. Are you allowing his power in and through you to be used for his honor and glory? And then his presence, the presence of Christ in our lives, that, that, that fellowship, that communion. Look what it says in the middle of the verse. The fellowship of his sufferings. Fellowship, that's communion. Look in, look in your Bibles. Go to Philippians chapter 1. Look at verses 5 and 6. Paul said, for your fellowship. He, he was talking to the believers in Philippi. He had fellowship with them. We have fellowship one with another. And that's a good thing. But our most important fellowship is our fellowship with Christ. In fact, the reality is many of us all, I was thinking about this the other day, someone, someone posted something, they used to attend our church um, for many years, and they're going through a difficult time, and so they, I reached out to them and uh, offered to be praying for them and the person that they're dealing with in their lives that, that's going through a tough time. And so this person has contacted me in the past, and I wish they still came to church, but this person told me some years ago that uh, she still considers this her church. She still considers me her pastor. And uh, she appreciated the fact that I reached out to pray, uh, tell her I would pray for her. Um, but all through the years, there are people even today that have relationships. I can could, I could think of people who used to come to church faithfully, who they don't... They do not come to church faithfully any longer, but they do not deny the faith per se. I'm not saying this is right. I'm just telling what this is all about. And some of these people are still friends today. And I find it ironic because they would have never been friends except they all came to church at one time and became friends. And now they're still friends because of the fellowship of the local church. Does that make sense what I've just said? And, um, but that's that fellowship also that we have with Christ and the, the presence of Jesus, the communion. And, and Paul wrote here, he says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you, he'll perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ in verse 6. That's that fellowship that we have with Christ. Look at chapter 2 and verse 1. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love... 
if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercy, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Well, how does that happen? That happens because of the fellowship that we have with Christ. The presence of Christ in our lives. That's living Christ, uh, living below the, that's you and I living below the baseline. Look at chapter 4 of Philippians and verses 4 and 5. Rejoice, Paul wrote, in the Lord always. Again I say, rejoice. Now remember, where did I say Paul was when he's writing this? Where is he? He's in prison. So you would think Paul would be waiting for someone to encourage him. But there he is in prison and he's encouraging others. How do you do that? How do you have the ability to do that? You have the ability to do that because of your relationship with the person of Christ. You have the ability to do that because of the power of Christ in you. And you have the ability to do that because you're practicing the presence of Christ regularly. So he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation, verse 5, be known unto all men. And look at the next five words. Read them out loud, won't you? I'm going to read that verse 5 again. You read the last five words out loud. Let your moderation be known unto all men. Begin. Yeah, you know what that means? The Lord is in your presence. He's right there with you. He's always with you. Remember, he said elsewhere in the Scriptures, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And so, when we practice that, it's building below the baseline. I was reading this this past week. There was a, there was a man by the name of John Huss. And in the 1400s, John Huss was a Catholic priest. And in the 1400s, he began to realize from the Scriptures that the institution that he had placed his trust in was teaching a false way to get to heaven. So he began to teach his congregation that salvation was through grace and not of works. So the Pope found out and got upset with him and uh, told him he needed to knock this off because only the Pope could grant people salvation. And uh, Huss wasn't going to stop because he had developed a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It was far more important than any relationship he had with an institution or with a human. And uh, so they threatened him. And uh, does anybody know what happened to John Huss? He was, actually, he was actually influenced by John Wycliffe, one of the first translators of the Bible, who's also anti-Catholicism. What happened? Do you know? Huh? Yeah, he was burned at the stake. They burned him. His name meant Goose? Oh, I didn't know that. But listen to what he said. I wrote this down. When he was being burned at the stake, he said this, what I taught with my lips, I now seal with my blood. Those are the, those are the last words of John Huss as he was being burned alive. Uh, just for teaching people the Bible. And, um, but that, that, he, 
that was because he developed a relationship with Jesus Christ. He developed, he saw the power of Christ upon him, the presence of Christ in his life. And that's building below the baseline. That's how people, you know, we, we still here in America still live in relative religious freedom. No one's interfering with our faith. That, that may not always be the case in our lifetime, but right now that's still the case. You didn't have to sneak out to church this morning, right? You could come well, of your free will. It's not like that everywhere. But how do people deal with that? They build below the baseline. And then as we move on here, that's the formation of our faith. So quickly in verse 11 of our text, Paul wrote this, If by any means I might obtain the resurrection of the dead. He understood the importance of the resurrection. In Ephesians on your handout it says, And you have he quickened. That word quickened, it means to be made alive. We're born into this world spiritually dead. When we accept Christ as our Savior, when the Holy Spirit moves in our hearts, we're no longer dead. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. Even when we were dead in sins, he hath quickened us together with Christ and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places. It's all about that relationship with Jesus. And then I'm going to move quickly because we're almost out of time. The process of this transformation. Remember I said earlier that this is, that our, our Christianity is to be, it's supposed to be life-changing. Life-changing. Um, and, and Paul would write here in verse 12, look what he says. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect. Now I'll just stop here. Paul is writing this, if I remember correctly, approximately 30 years after he received Christ as his Savior. He's been used of God in a mighty way already. So it's 30 years later, and he's writing, this is such an um, attitude of humility in Paul's life. Again, verse, 13, verse 12, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ. He hadn't attained. He continued to grow. He continued to nourish his faith. It's a change. Some of you can attest to this, that when you went into, you went into the military, so you joined the military, and when you went into the military, by the time you came out of the military, you were a different person. Because part of the structure of the military is to train you and to put structure in your life. I've seen that. I've seen, I've seen uh, oh, the, just a couple of weeks ago, um, James was home and he came in his uniform and uh, he had been through boot camp and, and all of the training. I've seen that in, in other men. I had my, one of my best friends growing up, uh, Doug Rogg, he... he Struggled all through high school, and um, he was one of these guys that wasn't good at school, but he could play the organ really great. And he was a great magician. I mean, this guy, he, he was like a professional magician. He joined the Navy, and they put him on a nuclear submarine. 
And I thought to myself, they got Doug on a nuclear submarine? Oh, he's not near any of the buttons, you know. But he came out of the Navy, and, it, and then he ended up working for NCIS. Well, I really thought this was funny. He was stationed in Italy for years, and he finally caught up with me. And his mom, I, I visited with him and his mom and dad. He said, yeah, Doug was looking for you for years. And I'm thinking... What does that say about NCIS? All you had to do is put my name in a computer and it would pop up. You know? and this is the people who are supposed to be keeping us safe. So I don't know how hard it was to find me. Uh, no, you, the church would have come up in my name under First Bible Baptist Church and the whole nine years. But anyhow, now my point is the Navy changed his life. And what was really thrilling, let me just give you this testimony. When I was in high school, I really didn't have much interest in spiritual things. But we were, my, my mom and dad, we went to church. I went to the youth group. Uh, my youth group in the summer for vacation Bible school, they would go for one week to different people's houses and they'd have an event in the evening at that house. And I invited Doug to one. And at one of those meetings, he told me this just when we caught up. This is many, many, many years later. This is like six or seven years ago he told me this. He said, do you remember you invited me to, such, to that? I said, yeah, I remember that. Well, that's when I asked Jesus Christ to be my Savior. And while all the time he was in Italy, he was going to a military um, chaplain, church, chaplaincy on, on the base. And he and his wife attend a small uh, church down in Connecticut. Uh, so you never know. But that's the formation of faith. The there's a process of transformation. Romans 8.29, for whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, so that he might be the firstborn. The change that's taking place in your life. Listen, I don't care how long you've been a Christian, don't ever get to the place where you feel like you've, you know, you've kind of plateaued and I can't grow any deeper. Like, when's the, some of you that have been Christians for a length of time, when is the last time you read a good book? dealing with some topic in Christianity. Don't, don't, just, don't get to the place in your Christian life where you well, I'm going to go to church on Sunday and that's where I'm going to feed, get fed. And sure, you should get fed. But what about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? Never before in the history of the world have we had so much, um, as far as Christianity goes, so many resources that we can read and develop our faith and continue to grow. Never before in the history of the world. We just need to find the time. This book that I'm reading, there's one fellow on this ship. He's just a young man. He's, in fact, he's a teenager, and he had his Bible with him, and he was, he was a devout Christian. And it's, and it's really quite interesting. It's interesting when the ship wrecks on this island, the one thing that they wanted to retrieve off the ship before it sank was a Bible and some Christian books, so they had something to read. But developing our faith, the process of this transformation, and, and, and Paul said, I'm still growing in the Lord. And here he is 30 years later. And so, real quickly as we finish up, because we're out of time, this last point, the fixation of a will, verses 13 through 14. These are some of my favorite verses in the Bible. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. 
So quickly, these three sub-points. Paul recognized his position. He recognized where he's at. He's recognized that you can always move forward, but also you're always one wrong move from moving backward. He rejected the past. If anyone's past could have torn Paul down, it was his. He was a man who arrested Christians, imprisoned Christians, had Christians put to death, and yet was saved on the road to Damascus, and he didn't let his past slow him down. And then quickly, he ran to win the prize. And let's remember that your race isn't my race, neither is my race your race. Each person's got their own race that Jesus has presented to you. And Paul wrote these last words, verse 14. These, this is an important verse to me because the last words that my father ever said to me before he dropped out of a heart attack, we were on the phone one day, and by then I was a Christian, we were talking on the phone, but it was out of verse 14 of chapter number 3, where Paul wrote, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And the last words my father ever said, Or press on. I said, I love you, Dad. He said, press on, brother. And we hung up the phone. And next time, that was the last time until I get to heaven that I ever talked to my father. That's the fixation of will. Press on. Press on. Press on. It's a sad truth that more people quit the faith or quit being faithful than stay faithful. It's just a matter, that's just, it's, it's a sad reality. And there's numbers of reasons for that. But you have to have a fixed will. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You press on, you press on, you press on. Not on your own strength. And I think that's one of what happens, why people fade away. They begin to rely on their own faith. Or kind of something like what uh, Adam said earlier, they put their trust in themselves. Even Christians put their trust in themselves, their abilities, their intellect. Pastor Ethan was teaching on this not too long ago, just this past week, I think it was. Maybe it was Wednesday night. But we press on because we build this, this relationship with Jesus. We trust in his power in our lives. We trust in that power. And the presence of Christ every day, the reality of Christ every day, Well, we're out of time. Let's pray. Lord, bless the morning worship service. Let it bring honor and glory to you. Lord, help us to build a strong foundation and to maintain that foundation as we go through life. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so glad that you've taken the time to join us today. If you've been blessed by the message, or if you have placed your faith in Jesus today, we want to hear from you. Maybe you still have questions about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Please let us know, and we would love to answer those questions from the Bible. We would also be happy to provide you with the Bible and other free Christian resources to help you grow in your faith. You can email us at info at or send us a message on Facebook. You can also call us at 413-662-2107. We would love to hear from you in our desire is to be a blessing to you in any way that we can.
God bless.